This is the Sporting KC Show on Sports Radio 810 WHB. It falls to Ely on the volley! What a finish! Gotti Kinda has struck! It falls to Polito and he puts it in! To Johnny Russell, first time shot! And Johnny Russell has a hat trick! The Sporting KC Show is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Superior light beer with only 95 calories and 2.6 carbs. Michelob Ultra. Find your fit. Now your host, Nate Buchanan. And with that, welcome to the Sporting Kansas City Show on your home for SKC Soccer Sports Radio 810 WHB. I am Nate Bucati, joined as always by Ali Trost and Connell McCourt. Uh, what's up, guys? How are we? Doing well. How are you feeling, though? Because Daniel Shallowy was asked in his postgame press conference how he feels about the Showtime Shallowy nickname that we just heard. He mm. brought up the Hungarian assassin, but he said he likes Showtime Shallowy, too. So. Which one did he? I didn't hear this post game. Which one did he say that he likes better? I, you know, I don't think he gave a definitive answer. But from he he said he liked the Showtime. So I, I think he he brought up Hungarian Assassin though. So he's got both. This is a dagger through his heart. No, hey, they're now. both great nicknames. But I <laughs> he amazing. brought wait for the record. He brought up the Hungarian he Assassin. He brought up the Hungarian yes. Assassin. Someone brought up Showtime Shallowy to him. And he brought up... Have people been... I'm, I'm so ignorant to a lot of things that we're going to get to on the show today, uh, but 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 have people been calling him Showtime Shallowy for a while, or is that a new call? No, so I... I mean, because heard... I'm going to have a feud with Adrian Healy, the ESPN <laughs> announcer who had that call right there. Yeah, you know, it's 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 you know, we, we'll we'll have a duel if we have but to. But he didn't say he didn't call him Showtime Shallowy like we hear with Patrick Mahomes being called Showtime. Right. It was more right. of like it's Showtime for Daniel Shallowy. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, I guess I guess it was just thank you. Was good. that like a little <laughs> pretty good. That's well Thanks, done. I, I thought Adrian Healy was in the room for a moment. <laughs> I get that a lot, actually. People, people. <laughs> anytime yeah. I open my mouth yeah. in public, is that Ali yeah. Troster or Adrian Healy? Yeah. Um, Classic mix. Uh, so, I mean, first, first of all, let me just go ahead and say there already is a Showtime in town, Th- right? That's so I, true. Are we really going to take Daniel Shalloway? Is, is is incredible, <laughs> and and not you, Connell. Um, you're the uh, you have oh. many nicknames, but that's not one of them. Um, second of all, again. He brought up Hungarian assassin on his own, which, which would pretty much implies that that's what he, night. that's what he likes. He <laughs> wants to be called the Hungarian assassin. It's what we he gave us permission on the show, and he has scored three goals since then. And I have called him the Hungarian assassin on all <laughs> three, three, three for three, man. I'm uh, pushing that it. rock uphill. Brilliant. What do you think? I yeah. love it. I like the Hungarian assassin too. Yeah, I, I prefer that. I feel like the way that. I feel like the way. It's too alliterative. Cuddle, I thought we weren't going to just oh, flame the ego. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Good point. But I will say the uh, the Hungarian assassin, I feel like the the way in which shallowy has been scoring some of his goals this season have been very assassin-like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like putting, well, putting the dagger in LAFC what, on Saturday. What's the note now? Uh, Daniel Shallowy, I was just looking this up the other day, should have it in front of me if I was prepared for the show, but game-winning goals, I think he's got 10 in his career now. And for this season, and that's something that Peter Vermees actually has talked to me a lot about over the years. Is like, okay, yeah, that guy scores a lot of goals. How many of them are game winners? Yes. 
you know, and hit, that's a big – I mean, some people might say, oh, that's a cherry-picking stat or whatever. Not to Peter Vermees, it's not. No. I know for a fact he looks at it and says, okay, when are you scoring your goals? You know, and that goal that he scored, again, Daniel Shallowy, his one shot on target of the game, and he – I mean, could he could he have been more clinical? Right. It's like, do you score goals for, the, for your team on average <laughs> when you've already kind of – Put a defense to bed, and or are, when you're down three, three, nothing. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. Are you you're down by three, or you're up by three, and the goal is yeah, it's great, but it doesn't necessarily change the game. Daniel Shallowy scores goals, and historically throughout his his time with Sporting, that changed the game. For sure, and I mean it's uh, like you just said, one shot on target, one goal. Like he's been absolutely ruthless this year, and long may it continue, I guess, for Peter and for Sporting. So I guess maybe both monikers are accurate because he's clearly delivering in showtime, but he's also like an assassin, uh, Hungarian assassin uh, at, at that. Uh, by the way, we're underway on the Sporting Kansas City Show. We are presented by our friends at Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it, and we have a busy show for you today. We're going to look back on that amazing game against the LAFC side that uh, had come in here with, uh, with eyes on trying to move their way up the table and Sporting KC uh, smacked them down uh, in come-from-behind fashion. We're going to talk about that game. We're also going to talk about the upcoming game against the L.A. Galaxy. Sporting took on a third-place team in the Colorado Rapids on Wednesday, beat them. Now they're going to take on a third-place team in L.A. Galaxy on 4th of July. We're going to preview that game, and we're going to talk with Amadou Dia about haircuts, about being in France when they won the World Cup in 1998, and about... uh, Sometimes having to take a little humble pie and playing on the second team, even though you started 10 games in a row to close out the last season and all that, which is what he's done. And he is uh, back in the rotation with Sporting KC right now as well. So a great conversation with Amadou Dia coming up. But guys, let's uh, let's jump into it. Sporting Kansas City 2, LAFC 1. We've called them the comeback kids and it almost starts to sound redundant. But it was the same storyline again. Allie... You were down there. What stood out to you the most about this one? Well, I mean, let's just start with how wild that game got with the the freak rainstorm that came through. I've never, and I've covered a lot of games at Children's Mercy Park. That was high on the list for me in terms of just, like, incredible atmosphere and being able to feel the shift in the team in that second half. You could feel the energy. The fans could feel the energy, and it was just then you you throw in the rain, the rainbow. I mean, it was just like it was it was so poetic in that sense. But when you look at how this team has been able to have so much success with some of the players that have been absent with injury, when you look at the fact that Johnny Russell hasn't scored his first goal of the season yet, but you're getting a lot of production out of a player like Felipe Hernandez, who has really impressed and come on and just kind of embraced his role within the team. It it's amazing that you know that they've just been able to find so much success and coming from behind in the way that they're doing at, at a rate that no other team in the league can even come close to. I mean, that says so much about a team, and that's the team, in my opinion, that that's those are the kind of teammates that you want when it comes crunch time, when it comes to the end of the season. And if they can sustain that, I think that's going to really bode well for them. I can, I can kind of see where both of them are coming from there, to be honest, with Peter, because, look, it's a dangerous habit to fall into, yeah. to keep conceding first. Sometimes, as you said, like we've seen teams like that in the past, it takes them to go a goal behind for them to kind of give themselves a bit of a shake and say, right, let's go here, let's start getting things going. But 
I didn't even think Sporting were playing bad. Just from what I've seen, I wasn't at the game on, on Saturday. From what I've seen, Sporting were pretty much in control. Uh, LA, LA done well. They, they kind of pressed them. They kept them limited to a certain extent. It wasn't really till the red card and after that until Sporting really started to play the pressure. But Peter's obviously looking at it uh, probably as an old defender, thinking we can't keep conceding first because we're yeah. going to run out of luck. It's going to... That's just the way it works. It's not always going to fall for you. But I can also see where Tim Mealy is coming from in that like, that's when you find out who are the players, when it, like when you say, when it comes to crunch time. And MLS, I think, of all the leagues I watch and have watched, I don't think there's any leagues where momentum is as as what's, as important as it is in this. Because it, it, it doesn't really matter. I mean, when it gets to the end of the season, whoever's on top and whoever... See, as long as you get to the postseason, it's whoever turns it on then, whoever turns starts playing well at the right time and starts, you know, finding things out. That carries you a long way. And the momentum that they will be taking from this, going behind, having that never-say-die attitude, never really knowing when they're beaten. And then when you have players like Polito, who we know can change a game like that, and you've got Daniel Shalloway, who's absolutely ruthless at the minute. Some would say a Hungarian assassin. <laughs> but Some would. It, it, some. Yeah, others would call him some better. Showtime. Whatever, but, uh, <laughs> but when you, you kind of couple all those together, it has the makings of a squad who it looks like can actually do some damage when it comes to the postseason this year. And Peter will be saying that, but secretly, I'm sure he'll be thinking, we've got a team here who really doesn't know when they're beaten, and that's never a bad thing to have. A belief is, is such a powerful thing in sports, and it's a fickle thing mm-hmm. sometimes. When you hit a ball believing it's going in, you hit it so much more cleanly than when you hit a ball hoping it's going in. You yeah. can ask Kylian Mbappe uh, because, you know, he struggled in the, in, the, in the Euros for whatever reason, and he'll get back on the right track, and he'll be one of the most unstoppable players in the world. But at the time that he took that penalty, he wasn't one of the most confident players in the world going up, and that's just insane to think about a player of that ability, and that just shows you. We've seen it, and I know we're not talking about the past anymore with Daniel, but we're seeing it now. He hit that shot with full belief. He knew that shot. He knew he was going to put that shot right where he wanted to, and he did, and Sporting wins it. Now, I sent out a picture. I don't do this. I don't know that I've ever done it before, but I took a picture in the middle of the game while I was calling play-by-play of this one because the rainbow came down right on top of Children's Mercy Park. The last time I saw a rainbow come right down on top of Children's Mercy Park was 2012 when I was a season ticket holder and I had taken a bunch of my friends to see them try to win their first trophy as Sporting Kansas City in Children's Mercy Park, and we were stuck inside drinking with a two-hour rain delay, and we drank a lot. And then we walked <laughs> outside, and there was this big double rainbow coming down, and everybody with the history of the original crest having the rainbow, and it said, this is an omen for the team. So Sunday night, we had that top golf event at Sports Radio yeah. 10, and a bunch of the young Sporting KC players came out to uh, participate. Gianluca Busio, Grayson Barber, uh, Felipe Hernandez, Cameron Duke, apologize, whoever I've, I've, I left out. And I asked the guys, you know the history of the rainbow here? And they're all like, no. And it hit me. These homegrown players. Lucio was like nine. He, he was nine years <laughs> Jeez, how old. How old does that make you feel? He, he, had, he had probably, that was about the time when he had decided he didn't want to play soccer. Living in North Carolina, he didn't know anything about sporting Kansas City at that time in his life. It's not on him to really necessarily know that. Until some old farts like us go, oh, me, I'm trying to lump you guys in with me. <laughs> but I go up and tell him, you know, this is what happened. And I think that those types of things, and I tweeted that, the, you, I don't know if you saw. If you know your history. Because that's a line from a Celtic song. Mm-hmm. And I always thought about that, like, hey, you, you know, if you're a fan, you know your history, right? And, mm-hmm. and for that, to me, 
And now here's where I didn't know my history. I waded into social media because I was like, you know, you guys ought to make a sign about somewhere under the rainbow, something like that to sing, because it's just a special thing now. When that rainbow came out, everybody in the stadium that saw it thought, okay, this is a sign. Sporting's going to win this game. And I, you might believe in those things or not believe in them, but, when, but, but there's something there. Um, maybe it's just the power of suggestion. But anyways, I was informed quickly that apparently that's a hot-button issue amongst the cauldron, and it's been debated oh, wow. back and oh, forth wow. for years. And SmackDown and people are getting these huge heated arguments oh, about wow. whether or not they should ever do a song that has a rainbow in it. And I don't want to really even get into it. So I'm like, <laughs> all right, I'm just going to go ahead and I back gotta... my way out of this conversation. <laughs> yeah. You guys handle the songs. I'll handle the stupid cliches when guys <laughs> score goals. <Right>. You know. <laughs> right. But that rainbow, to me, there's something there. Oh yeah, there's something there, and when and 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 I think, and even if there's not, it's I think yeah, that is. suggestion, with, like so the positive, that sort of yeah. those vibes, th- that energy, there's definitely something in that. Like it's, it, 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 I'm really corny about some of these things, but but being born and raised in the Midwest, we are defined in many ways by the unpredictable in, weather that we live in. Well, in Kansas, in Kansas, just, with rainbows somewhere over the rainbow. I mean, yeah. it is a Wizard of Oz type uh, yep. thing tornadoes and thunderstorms and, and weather phenomena oh seem my. to color our, you know, like if you live in Southern California, you're colored by the fact that it's just always sunny, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and here it's, if you don't like the weather in Kansas, wait a minute, yeah. you know, and that we don't know. <laughs> and think about all the different conditions that they have played cup finals or unforgettable games in there. You know, it's the true. coldest game in the history of the league, a cup was won. A massive thunderstorm that caused a rain delay that then had the double rainbow. This game where it was storming all day, then it was nice during the start of the game, then it pours down rain right when Alan Polito scores the goal, then a rainbow comes out right around the time that a red, I mean, that's, to me, that's us. That's us, and, and a rainbow is a reflection of unpredictable weather in many ways. You know, yeah. so I just feel like it's there, it's there, and it was the logo. It was the first logo of the right. team. And right. it's just incredible to me. And just the way too that like it was featured. I mean, it did feel like at a, at a time in that game when the rain started coming down that there was just a singular storm cloud over just the the opening in the stadium. <laughs> that was like it wasn't raining anywhere else. It probably was, but from my vantage point, I was like, it's not raining anywhere else but here. And it was interesting too because Shallowy talked about after the game you know what that kind of freak storm did because I think the question was something along the lines of it seemed to have really changed the atmosphere inside the stadium it woke the crowd up for sure oh, they went nuts and in some I places in the world they're like oh god here comes the rain but in Kansas City they're like let's go <laughs> loved it no everyone I mean it was like the energy was it was electric I mean outside of there not being actual like lightning or anything like that but Shelly said after the game that it was actually kind of annoying. He uses the word annoying a lot, by the way. If you hear him like talk about different things, it was he annoying. He didn't say Hungarian assassin was annoying, did he? No. Okay, thank No, you. but All Showtime, right. he said, said that he annoying. liked it, but it was fall a little... down if that happened. Sorry. <laughs> I should have just said that to freak you out. <laughs> no, please. Um, but no, he said that the uh, j- just like the rain and then your jersey sticking to you, really annoying. And I would imagine that sporting players are probably a lot more used to that than like you said maybe an LAFC player would be. So not to say that some of those like elements totally change the outcome because of how it affects one team versus another when that one team is used to training in those in those kind of elements or playing yeah, games I mean, and definitely- that. But, I mean, for him to even say just like you – and also when it's that hot out and just humid, you know, there's so much humidity too. Like it almost – there's like the steam that mm-hmm. – like it's just – I do wonder how the maybe that, that storm – did impact LAFC at all, just in the annoying. There was of. some, uh, it was like a short clip that I believe it might have been MLS, actually put it out a few weeks ago uh, that uh, 
bunch of different players from different teams were talking about the hardest place that they play, the, the hardest away ground to go to. And I think it was Christian Roldan, someone... I, I should know this. I think it was. This is a show of I not being able well to remember what <laughs> right. we were going to talk about. We have about. a lot of great points to make. We just can't remember them specifically. He said that Kansas City was the hardest place to play because every time he comes here, it's hot, it's muggy, and stuff. And you're saying, we're saying kind of the opposite. It was rainy and stormy, and still players don't want to be there. So you have to work with what you have. Here we have unpredictable weather, and it puts people off their game. So you have to take advantage of it. Well, you know what? And my stepdad, the farmer, Joe Smith, had taught me a long time ago, you can't control the weather around here. And sometimes you're going to have droughts and sometimes you're going to have floods. And you just have to learn to accept and embrace whatever Mother Nature is going to bring your way. And it's a lot easier to do that when you know that it might change any minute. And uh, in other parts of the country, it's really hard to deal with that because it's, hey, it's the same all the time here. And all of a sudden, if a monkey rich gets thrown into it, it's like, wait, what is this? You know, they're dealing with a heat wave in Portland right now, and I guarantee it's a lot harder for them to deal with a heat wave in Portland than it is here because we have heat waves all right. the time. And that's just part of the ruggedness of being in the Midwest. And and if you're sporting Kansas City, you have to be more rugged than the other teams because mm-hmm. the L.A. team is fancier. Right. They're always going to be. That's it. You have to work you know? with what you've got. You yeah. have to work with – I mean, all yeah. the other MLS managers just need to buy themselves a farmer's almanac and know there what's coming go. up for the – But uh, But that's why Alan Polito works here. And Chicharito is in L.A., and we're going to talk about that matchup coming up here in a little bit. A couple of nuggets I wanted to give you. Academy products for Sporting KC accounted for six combined goals and assists, uh, the most in a match in club history in in the game against the Colorado Rapids. Then an Academy product scores the goal to win it against LAFC. There were six different homegrown players on the field in the Colorado game, and then again on on Saturday there were five I think. Yeah. Uh, the pathway to the pros is on full display right now for this team, and they're not just out there showing that they have kids getting up there; they're winning games with those kids. Well, and Vermees after the Colorado game where they did concede that late goal off of the corner, you know Vermees was not very happy about that at the end of the game. I mean they won that game three to one, but it was still you know again he mentioned kind of like you like you said being a defender, it's just closing out games is so you take so much pride in that mm-hmm. and that's something you know with the the team's mentality that he wants to be ever present throughout you know right. the season and, and his tenure. but you know he said with the young players getting in there it, that it's so important to learn how to close out games and, and I think you know you're seeing players, Felipe Hernandez specifically, because we've seen him, you know, take on a starting role and now finding his way through scoring goals, assisting, and just really putting himself not just in, you know, a spot of, oh, I'm subbing in, I'm getting minutes, this is great, but I'm coming in and I'm making an impact on this team. And that's that's something that will give players a lot of confidence, but it's also something that, you know, Vermees wants all of the young players who are coming in to meet the level that the players who are currently on the field are bringing and then to also, you know, make make sure that they know it's not just about getting minutes, but it's about coming in and making an impact, closing out games and leaving the game better than it was before you checked in. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Amadou Dia is going to join us right after this. This is the Sporting Kansas City Show presented by Michelob Ultra. You're listening to the Sporting KC Show on Sports Radio 810 WHB. And welcome back to the Sporting Kansas City Show on your home for SKC Soccer, Sports Radio 810 WHB. We appreciate you listening over the air or watching on uh, Facebook or YouTube or listening on any of the different places you get your podcast. And we are very pleased now to be joined 
But I'm just going to say it. You're not supposed to have favorites. I, you know, we love all the guys equally, but this guy is one of my favorites. I just love every time I get a chance to talk to him. He's always got a smile on his face, and we've had some good discussions about things outside of soccer over the years. Amadou Dia, everyone calls him T, is on the show. What's up, T? How are you, man? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Dude, doing great. And, um, look, we got a lot to talk about with you on the show but before we, you came on with us, uh, we're, we're on video, so people that, that are watching the video can see. You got the new haircut, man. You got rid of the dreads. Absolutely. Yeah, so tell us the story here. Why did you decide to, uh, to get – because that takes a long time to grow that stuff out, doesn't it? Hey, it took me just about like four years to have them to where I wanted them, the right length almost down to my shoulders, so – Wow. But um, it was time for a change. I had them for four years. At one point, it got to a hassle keeping them maintained all the time. I had to get them rebraided every three weeks and get a haircut. I had to go to a um a lady that would rebraid my hair, and then I would go to my barber right after. And by the time, it'd be like three hours of just getting my hair done and stuff. <laughs> I was like, I don't need to do this anymore. <laughs> plus, I w- <laughs> plus I wanted to change, and so. When I went first, like like I told you guys, um, first time I scheduled my appointment with my barber a couple hours before I texted him that I'm not coming because I couldn't pull the trigger. <laughs> too much work, too much sentimental. I actually started these dreads when I broke my foot. And so I told myself I was going to cut them when I made it back into the league. And after last year, I made it back and now that was time to cut them off. So it's a good decision. So T, what is this? This haircut, I, I mean, for anyone who, like, just hearing everything that you just said, your hair is, sounds like it's synonymous, you know, it's a, it's a big part of who you are, and what does this new, this new look mean for this new chapter, which kind of started last year, but we'll say now that the, that the dreads are officially gone. It's, uh, it's, uh, for me, this new haircut, nice and clean fade is, uh, like you said, it's a new chapter. It's from time for me to start growing up, be an adult, uh, take care of what I need to, and start maturing like I need to be. Oh man, that's heavy. That, that's I, a that's a heavy conversation right there, T. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Go ahead, Kyle. T. Trust me, as a follically challenged man myself, I would be holding on to those hair, uh, every braid you have, every hair that you have on your head for a long time. But you look cool anyway. You put it off. Uh, thank you. Thank you. So you were telling us you kept one braid? I did. I kept one. To be honest, I don't even know where it is right now, but I did keep one. I remember that. Put it in like a little Ziploc bag and brought it home. Okay, so that that brings me to my question then because it's made me think of it. What is the creepiest piece of yourself that you've kept in your house? Uh, I'll, I'll start. I'll start. Okay, all right, let's go. Let's go, So Allie. when I was little, I like – would keep all of my baby teeth that I lost in uh-huh. this like creepy little like box. <laughs> the tooth fairy didn't keep those. For no, you? the tooth fairy was like, here, here's your Even gross little tooth. I'll just put a nickel next to it. Like, yeah. which by the way, kids are getting paid way too much money now for their teeth. I got a quarter. Oh, the inflation's been insane. I don't and know the what the tooth fairy is getting nuts. for these teeth now, but like, it's crazy what the price is on them. What about you, Connell? Um, I remember I kept a plaster Paris. What did it? Like? That, um, like a, a cast? Yeah, like a cast. I broke my my wrist. Yep. I mean, and everybody has a cool story about how they broke a bone. I was on a pogo stick. Nice. So it wasn't that. 
pretty and cool. But <laughs> I remember <laughs> it got cut off, and I kept it around the house for some reason. I don't know why, like, but yeah, the stench was not pleasant, so it had to be turfed after a while. But I just remember <laughs> that we held on to it. For Imagine a while, the same for my baby teeth. I yeah, probably so. <laughs> we, we, um, we, my son kept his cast because he got some of the sporting players to sign it, so he didn't want to lose that autograph. I would say that the Tooth Fairy has kept, has decided to stash all of my children's teeth in my my sock drawer, and I have a, a son who sometimes listens to this podcast, so he'll now know where his baby teeth are oh, being wow. stored. I don't think he has any idea of that at this point. But that's where the Tooth Fairy decides to store all of them. Wow! And I don't know what to do with them. Um, I'm like, I I feel like it's disrespectful to throw them away, but I think it's incredibly creepy to have these <laughs> these human teeth in my in my sock drawer. Um, I once had a surgery where they had to remove some like loose bone chunks from my ankle. And I asked the surgeon, I, hey, will you save those for me? I want to keep those, you know? And, put, them uh, in a, put them in a vial and I'll wear it around my neck. Yeah, he conveniently oh, forgot like and threw them away. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But he, uh, he threw it away, so I don't have any loose bone matter floating around my house. Anything else, T? Any other, any other creepy artifacts that you keep of yourself around the house? <laughs> No, I think my dread is probably the creepiest thing. I gotta find it actually before my puppy comes and finds it and eats it. <laughs> what kind of dog are we talking about here? What kind of puppy you got? Uh, I have a burner doodle. She's actually right here trying to play fetch with me. Come here, Layla. Hey, Layla. Yeah, this is her name. This is her right here. Oh, oh my gosh, my heart is melting right now. So cute. she's got a soccer ball to play catch with yeah. too. That's incredible. We're oh. teaching her early. See, say hello. And hey, what a cute dog. She's really sweet yeah, she too, isn't is. she? You can tell. She's awesome. Yeah, oh, she's man. about six months old. Thirty pounds already. Wow. So. Okay, oh. I was gonna say. Does she does she chew on everything in the house? She seems pretty calm for everything. a six month old. Yeah, right now she's tired because I've been playing fetch with her since yeah. I got home, but. <laughs> Everything usually so nice. All right, yeah. so before we get into the sporting stuff with UT, I, I'm, there's a couple stories I want to get into. Um, the other day when you were showing up at the stadium, you had on uh, a cockerel. Uh, do you guys know what a cockerel is? By the way, that's I it. can't say I do. That is the the French national team uh, oh. logo, right? Isn't oh, that what yeah. it's called? Uh, is that did yeah. I get that right? Yes, sir. Yeah, and, and so. I know that because I was in Paris, France in 1998, three months before France won the World Cup. Wow. And I, they had a little logo at the time that was the logo for the 98 World Cup called Footix La Cacarelle. And he looked exactly like a Kansas Jayhawk. In fact, I think they got mm -hmm. sued for like copyright infringement or something like sure. that. But France won that World Cup. And, and do I remember, didn't you tell me, T, that you were in Paris at that time? Did you tell me, is that? A, I was. Can you tell so I was during the 98 World Cup. Yeah, I was uh so take us back. my family was still in still living over there and um I remember when they won we went down to the uh, Champs-Élysées and like we were like witnessing all the celebrations and the craziness and it was surreal. and I was young when 98 and I was like 5 years old but I still remember it vividly. So it was one of the experiences I'll never forget. I mean, I remember seeing the footage so yeah, just around four o'clock, so uh, four years old, I mean, so just around that time. So I remember seeing scenes of that celebration in France on television, and there wasn't, I mean, there wasn't an inch to move. There was just a mass of humanity and flares going off. I think it was in, I think it was in France as well. It was. It was, it was, it was in France. Yeah, they, they won. Yeah, they won, they won on home soil. So you were there at five years. I, I think I'd be, I try to picture myself as a parent now. I think I'd have been terrified 
to take my kids into a scene like that just because it was such a mass of humanity and getting getting lost or whatever. And that was pre-cell phone days too. Like, were you scared mm-hmm. at all as a kid being in, or did you just think this is this is incredible to be here? I really haven't like didn't really know what was going on except trying to enjoy the festivities. I think all this stress was on my parents, so but <laughs> nobody got lost, so we're good. Okay. Go oh, I was gonna say, T, who was your childhood hero then who what player did you look up to when you were playing soccer and like i want to be like that guy when i get older it was zinedine zidane of course the whole yep. way <laughs> the whole way and i actually got to meet him and speak to him for like 10 minutes he came to uh, when i was still in high school he came to the esp tournament out in colorado for one of the weekends oh, wow. and he was the guest star for the adidas and so I was the only French guy when I spoke to him. Like, he was like, he asked me, like, what I was doing here and stuff and how it was and things like that. So it was like a surreal moment. Signed my old French jersey and everything, too. So wow. really cool. Wow. And you had you had a bunch of players to pick from from that team. I mean, what, Patrick Vieira, Emmanuel Petit, what's Zinedine Zidane, Thierry Henry. Henry was like an 18 year old on that yeah, team. Yeah, he was crazy just yeah, about crazy. Yeah. They had unbelievable talent in that team. So what happened to your, your guys this time, uh, yesterday? Ooh. See, this is exactly what I did not want to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, I'm sorry. I was rooting, I was rooting for France. I love, I, I don't know, care. I don't know, I don't know that people say this is bad as an American. I love the French national team. And one of the things I love about the French national team is everybody on that team that's great is the son of an immigrant. And, and, they, mm-hmm. and they bust their butts. And, and, and N'Golo Conte has never played for one of my favorite teams. He's probably my favorite soccer player outside of sporting Kansas City on the planet. The dude busts his butt. I was rooting for you guys like crazy. So I take no pleasure in asking it, but man, that was inc- that was a wild game, wasn't it? Even the game before that was just as crazy. So I was like, this is a great game. And finally, the France game, I was like, okay, 3 1. I think this game is over. And yeah. I think they thought the same exact thing because yeah. they stopped playing as mm-hmm. well. And then 3 3, and then penalties. And I told my girlfriend we were watching, and I was like, and Bappe's come fifth. I was like, watch, she's going to miss this. Oh no. Mm. He's out of all the players, out of all the players, he's like one of the greatest. But for some reason, I was like, this guy's going to miss it. What do you know? Okay. Missed it, turned my phone off, didn't talk to him, <laughs> made sure nobody, I couldn't see all the bad messages and stuff, waited till like late night. <laughs> and then and then you got this loudmouth, you know, sporting Kansas City guy throwing it right in your face uh, afterwards. So I apologize for that. Wait, team. so, oh, I was to say, T, who are those messages coming from? Like, who are you just like, <laughs> wait, no, 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 I can't see anything from this guy right now. You got, you got Daniel. Of course, because of Hungary, of course. Johnny, of course, he's always talking trash. Yeah. All, all of that. Punches, of course. Bert Lucio was talking a lot of trash, you know, Italy and their salinity. Everybody, and there's a lot of people going at it. See, the thing it about. Is what it is. Those fun times. I mean, the first, all the guys you mentioned until you got to pretty much Busio, like their teams haven't ever won anything. And probably won't, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I hate to say it. I root Scotland. For... We're at France '98 as well. Yeah. Good, so, <laughs> that for them, eh? <laughs> All right, T. Let's let's get on to some other things, man. Um, th- this this season for you, um, I, you started off with an injury, and 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 Luis has been, you know, he he kind of locked that position down. He played so many minutes, but here the last couple of games, um, there's a lot of matches and and injuries start to happen and all that, and and you're working your way into the rotation a little bit. Can you talk about maybe the patience you've had to have this year, you know, to to just kind of hang in there till your opportunities came up again? 
Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's never easy, especially like since I played all the last nine games of the season last year, coming into preseason, going to admit I did not have a really good preseason and Luis did came in, he's been doing very well. And um, the team has been playing very well as well. And so I'm not expecting Peter to make any changes, of course. Second place, we've made a couple of mistakes, but nothing that we can't fix. And so, I mean, it is, it's a team game. And so when the team is playing well, you just got to take it and just keep working hard, be patient. And when your chances, um, when your number gets caught up, you got to take your chance. And that's what I've been trying to do. 30 minutes against Colorado, 15 minutes against LA, just go in, do what I need to do to make sure we secure the win. That also comes with um, going down with the second team and playing 90 minutes, make sure I stay match fit as well. And so take advantage of those minutes. And T, you know, I mean, I'd say you know more than most about the trials and tribulations that go along with being a soccer player. Sometimes it goes for you, sometimes everything's going great, but then you even know what it's like. You play for sporting before and then you drop down a level uh, to play with Phoenix and stuff. So does that, does that just keep you hungry? Like knowing that, like, as you said, Luis has came in, he's kind of locked down the position, but for my money, you were one of the best players last towards the tail end of last year, really put a shift in. Do you just have to keep stay hopeful, keep working hard, and just wait on your chance coming again to take it? Absolutely. You got to come into practice. You can't be powering. You can't have a bad attitude. You just got to make sure you go in there, you do your work, and just wait for your chance. Make sure you do whatever it is necessary for the team. At the end, it's a team game. You're there for the team. You're there to win championships. You're not there for yourselves. And so whatever Peter says, I have a lot of respect for the men and the rest of the coaching staff. So I speak to them. I always ask for some feedback, what I need to do to get better and things like that. And so they tell me to stay ready. And whenever they need me, they'll put me in. So Dia, you said that your preseason maybe wasn't your best one. Why was that? And, and what did you learn uh, about just preparation from this last preseason? Um, I came into the preseason and I was hoping more that I was going to be the starter. And then when I saw that I wasn't going to be the starter, it kind of hit me mentally and my confidence a little bit. And so my confidence went down a little bit, but it's on me to get myself back up and to keep pushing. And so when I didn't have such great practices and stuff, I had to snap out of it and just pick it back up and just keep working. We're visiting with Amadou Dia. This is right here one of the reasons that I appreciate talking with, with uh, you so much, T, because you're honest. You know, you talk to us about the good and the bad and all that stuff, and, and I think that's how we, we, we all learn about ourselves and about each other, and it's great. It's just great conversation. You mentioned going down to the second team. And I know that it was actually interesting because just the other day, Peter Vermees was talking about the new league that Major League Soccer is starting up. And he is hoping that it's going to bring a little more flexibility on the roster because he wants to use that second team, not just for young guys that are working their way up to the first team, but for guys that for whatever reason are not getting enough minutes on the first team. Maybe it's because the guy in front of you is in good form and he's just not going to mess with it. Maybe it's because you're working your way back from an injury or whatever, but he wants those, he, you know, you're a great example. He wants you to be sharp because if you got to come in the game, he wants you to be able to pick up right where, you know, Luis left off. But I also know from talking to veterans that in the past there have been guys that have said, man, I'm not going down there. I'm not playing USL. That's a step down. That's a demotion, whatever. And, and Peter's attitude has always been, that's not what this is. This is a chance for you to get minutes so that when the time comes, you're ready to go. Could you talk about that mental aspect of it as a guy that's a veteran, that's played in the league and all that? 
And 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 like, how do you you know? Do you do you have to tell yourself that like, hey, this isn't a demotion. This is a chance for me to stay ready for when my time comes. Absolutely. I mean, you always want to be in the starting eleven, if not in the starting team. And once you get sent down to the second team, you're automatically going to think, oh, am I not playing well, or what is this, or what's going on, and what did I do to deserve this? And then, but when Peter, at the beginning of the season, he reiterated. Um, he kept repeating and repeating, this is not a punishment. I'm sending you down to the second team. He told everybody, if I'm going to send you down to the second team, it's for you guys to get minutes to stay ready. Just like you say, if you need to come back for injury or for whatever reason you're not playing, going down to the second team is not a punishment. We are lucky to have a second team where you can go down and get some minutes when you need to. Are there clubs that? And so me, yeah, sometimes you can think about it differently. See this? Choose to think positive, or you take positive, try and improve your game. And I did decide to take the route, give my minutes, work on my craft, and ready when my first thing comes up. We're visiting with Amadou Dia, and, and Amadou will uh, T. You know, we'll we'll wrap it up with this. The uh, the team right now, you mentioned it. They're flying high, and. You guys, I mean, you guys have another big game coming up on 4th of July against third place L.A. You just played third place L.A. uh, LAFC this past time around. You've been around good teams on the sporting side. Uh, You've seen good and bad. Tell me about what you think of this SKC team right now and and where it stacks up with some of the teams you've been on in the past. I think right now... um... When they perform, we start very well. There's clicking chemistry on and off the field. I will also add that we have a lot of injuries. I'm getting the results that we need. For example, Gadi King is not playing. Walter's not playing. Um, Allen just got hurt again, but he'll, he'll be back soon. Easy Matty just coming back from injury, and he's getting fit. And so you put all those guys together that haven't even played yet, those great players, that just adds to the rock. And so I think with those guys coming back and everybody being healthy. And after L.A., we have a break. And by the time we come back, everybody be healthy and we have a porosity to pick from. I think we just keep it going and just feed off this momentum and feed off the inner shell on man on fire right now and just keep it going. <laughs> yeah, the Hungarian assassin, he's on fire. Hey, T, we really appreciate the time, man. Thank you so much. I'm sorry for bringing up France. You know, you guys already got <laughs> – hey, you've, got, you've seen your country win the World Cup a couple of times yeah. in your life, so life is good. Life is good. Uh, thanks, man, for the time. We really appreciate it. Best of luck going forward. Thank you very much. Appreciate you guys. See you guys soon. All right, that is uh, Amadou Dia, one of the best, one of the best. We will take a break. When we come back, we're going to preview this game, 4th of July, against – the L.A. Galaxy coming up 9.30, 4th of July night. That's right after this on the Sporting Kansas City Show presented by Michelob Ultra. You're listening to the Sporting KC Show on Sports Radio 810 WHB. And we're back to wrap things up on this edition of the Sporting Kansas City Show on your home for SKC soccer, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Nate Bucati along with Connell McCourt and Ali Trost. And our thanks to Amadou Dia for joining us on the show. He was terrific, guys. Uh, now, let's look forward to Sporting Kansas City versus LA Galaxy. Late night West Coast soccer on 4th of July. Forget the fireworks. If they haven't gone off by 930, 
Get your butts inside because we're going to have fireworks on the pitch. Those are the kind of terrible puns you're supposed to use uh, when you're a commentator. The biggest disappointment for me, guys, is the fact that we might not see Alan Polito versus Chicharito because these maybe are the two best Mexican strikers uh, going right now. Not maybe. I think they yeah, are. They yeah, are. they are. Um, Chicharito with 10 goals on the season that leads all of MLS players, uh, one ahead of Raul Ruiz Diaz and three ahead of Daniel Shallowy and four ahead of Alan Polito, who's on six goals with limited action so far this year. But Polito suffered that injury. Kind of graphic, by the way, Allie. I know. Uh, we, we, we saw some footage of that. Um, your thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> so I, a lot of people, I kept getting a lot of tweets at me and in my DMs about, hey, what's the status on Polito? What's the status on Polito? And so I checked his Instagram, and he had actually posted an update alongside a very graphic photo of said injury, which basically made it look like whoever, I forgot the player that cleated him, but it looked like there were razor blades at the bottom of those cleats because I've never seen a, I, I've seen and have suffered many cleating type injuries. Never seen anything like that. Like broke the skin, really graphic, required stitches, laceration several at the top of the foot. Appeared, several stitches yeah. it appeared at the top of his foot. But I wanted to educate the people. And so yeah. I, I posted a photo, said viewer discretion advised, not realizing that Twitter was going to crop it perfectly, that it literally just showed the gash. <laughs> and so they're like, forget my warning, because even if you read that warning, you already saw the photo. So I apologize well, to anyone who saw that. That was poor. My wife, the physical therapist who takes a sick pleasure in looking at gruesome sports injuries, thanks you. Uh, oh, for, I don't mm-hmm. know what it is. It kind of scares me that she likes watching them. She's fascinated by things like that. Um you know, when you talk about getting cleated, the way I saw it, he swung his foot thro- so hard through the ball, and the guy had his studs out a little bit. The studs weren't really moving. It was his foot that was moving. Yeah. yeah. It was like he sliced his foot across the studs, and I mean, it's a freak thing. I mean, what are you going to do? And there's not much. Very much know, so. A freak on, those, on those type of boots, there's not a lot separating. Yeah. There's not a lot of leather right. or whatever. There's separating, no protection. Exactly. Separating yeah. the foot from. So it's just, it's one of those things. It kind of goes to show that people like to sometimes say soccer players are a bit soft and whatever, but it's not always, you know, yeah. it's not always for the faint of heart. Like it's Th- Those people haven't actually been out on the field and, right. and had their leg broken, right. you know, and things for like sure. that. So it's, um, it, it was, uh, but we hope that that's just the stitches and that it's just something that he can, you know, once the skin heals, all that, he's he's good as, as new. That's what we hope. We'll wait and see. You got to wonder if there's a chance of him playing this weekend. Um, so we'll, we'll go ahead and focus on what we do know about the game, and and let's start with Chicharito, guys, because for me, his entry to MLS came with a lot of fanfare at first. People were saying maybe the biggest signing in MLS since David Beckham, and then the video came out of him re- referring to it as a retirement, which is a is a is a a word that gets the the backup of any longtime MLS fan, and so I wasn't real thrilled about the whole situation, and he didn't do much last year. Yeah. He has flipped me into a Chicharito fan this season with the way he has come back out, the interviews he's given, the way he's talked about mental health, the way he's talked about the relationship with his grandfather, all these different things. Um, I'm kind of I'm kind of liking me some Chicharito right now and appreciating him as a player, and he's going to be one to reckon with on Saturday night or uh, Sunday night. Well, he's on fire. I mean, we're kind of seeing some of the shades of what we've come to know as him at Man United, at Real Madrid, at, in the past, Barrel Leverkusen and stuff. And it's not even just that. He's, like, creating goals as well. Uh, the, the volley he scored last week, he set up the attack and then finished the ball as well. And then also, he didn't do well last year, but LA Galaxy didn't do well last yep. year. I mean, yep. he didn't really they, have They the didn't give him any service right? at all. And so I think you're still we're still the bit 
to see the best of Chicharito in MLS. It's just a shame that if we don't get to see Polito versus Chicharito, because you know there's going to be a lot of fans in Mexico watching that game because oh, they man. are the two. I mean, they're they're the two guys. So, it, hopefully, Polito can get back and hopefully he can get on the score sheet. Well, it's going to be a great test too for Sporting defensively. I mean, Galaxy's—they've only been shut out in two games so far, you know, in this regular season. So it's going to be a good test for you know a back line that has played really well is very possession-oriented, and, and the way that Sporting's playing right now lends really well to their style. But, you know, at the same time, it does at times create, if the ball's lost in dangerous field position, you know, a player like Chicharito will make you pay. And so I, I think it's just being aware of where he is on the field at all times because, I mean, we've seen the rate in which he's scoring, and it's not going to stop anytime soon, it looks like. I mean, see, of all the teams I've watched in MLS this year, I think there's not really much of a worse matchup for Sporting than LA Galaxy because last year they last year they ha they have a couple of things this year that they didn't have last year. They have legs in midfield. They've got quick players that can get in behind, and they've got a deadly striker who's finishing off goals. Mm -hmm. And all of that mixed combined together would it seems like on paper they should give Sporting a, a couple of problems because under Greg Fanny. They've, LA don't they don't have to go and be the dominant team. They're happy. There was a game. I think it was the last game against San Jose. They just set back. They didn't even care. San Jose are they run at Jim Miles and R anyway. But they just set back, soaked it up, hit them on the counter, and their counter's so deadly because they've got the legs, because they've got players that can, you know, get the ball into the likes of Chicharito and and uh, Efren Alvarez up top. So it's going to be tough for Sporting on Saturday or Sunday. Sorry, but. It'll be interesting to see the two teams go toe-to-toe you know, -to -toe because it, it looks like a pretty good matchup. Greg Vanny is another indication of the fact to me that if you have a good coach who has an idea of how his team should play and gives those players a strong sense of this is what our identity is, this is what your responsibilities are on the field, you can win games in MLS and get to the playoffs without even a great roster. Now, can you win MLS Cup? You're probably going to have to have both. You're probably going to have to have great organization and a great roster. Or a lot of luck. Yeah, and, and, and maybe that too. Maybe you need all three. But sometimes I think we can think, you look around and it's a professional league and it's a high-stakes league and you think, well, everybody out there has an idea of what they're doing. And no, they don't. You'd All you have to do is talk to guys that have bounced around the league and they'll tell you some teams you can walk right in and go, these guys know what they're doing. They know what they're about. And everybody understands the system. And then you have other places where you look around and go, does anybody know what we're doing? Yeah, blind leading the blind. Yeah, and, and it's, it's to me like look at this L.A. Galaxy team right now. Does anybody think they're going to go away this year? I don't. Yeah. Um, and, and it's just like Greg Vanny came in and just established this is who we are this year. And so you mentioned the identity. I think it's a fantastic matchup too because of those styles. Mm -hmm. um, styles make fights, as they always say. And here's another thing. That's one of the biggest pitches in Major League Soccer, if not the biggest. And Sporting doesn't mind that at all, mm -hmm. right? Because of the way they play, they like having a big field. They like having space. They want to knock the ball around, and they're not afraid to run around either and make you run around and chase them with the ball. Will they really go in to L.A. and have the Galaxy on there sitting back chasing the ball around all game, trying to nick them on the counter? Because that's kind of what you painted there, and maybe that is. Maybe that's what the Galaxy say, hey, that's how we're going to win this game, and maybe they will. But isn't that a crazy notion to think about? And then it becomes, how clean are sporting on the ball? 
can they run the Galaxy around through the course of the game and then open up those gaps in the second half like they have done this year? Or do they get burned a couple times on the counter and it changes the whole game, right? Isn't that basically what you're saying? And that's the thing that you were. That's the thing that worries me personally. Because if I was Greg Vanny, that's what I would be attacking. Like, because they do have legs now and they can be saying, Sporting aren't exactly the quickest at centre-back. So if a ball goes in over the top, they're in. What sporting have actually coped very well. I expected us to have more issues with that. But sporting have actually coped pretty well. Isn't with that, that pretty but amazing? They, but they did so well. Like, and I'll say I was worried about that against Colorado because they play kind of similar with yeah. Rubio and Barrios up top, and just waiting for one of those guys who are very quick and are very dangerous, even if not you know Chicharito level, but still players who can make you pay in those situations. And the way that Sporting defensively approached that game, Luis Martinez wasn't making those runs up to the corner. Uh, and, and, you know, trying to create up on the wing the way that we saw. He, they were playing a bit back as far as where, you know, their wing back's field positioning was. Mm-hmm. And the way that Daniel Shallowy's playing in those half spaces right now and finding, finding the ball and, and finding dangerous ways to, to spark things in the attack, Felipe Hernandez is just throwing himself all the way up into the box. And, you know, it, they're playing a very disruptive style for defenses that do want to try and sit back and absorb that pressure, which I think has allowed them to find a lot of success. They did it against Colorado. But as far as the counter, still very much so a concern. But I think if if Elie and Fonte and the back line can maybe just be aware of that, hold their line and sit a little bit further back and not get pushed too far up the field, it will hopefully, like it did against Colorado, prove to be successful for them. Well, That's going to do it for us on this edition of the Sporting Kansas City Show. Big game coming up Sunday night, 4th of July. You know, go have your fun all day, your backyard barbecues, all that stuff, and then come on in and settle down for some late-night West Coast soccer. Great game. I think it's going to be so entertaining to watch this one. Um, And you can see it at 930 on Valley Sports Kansas City and listen to it right here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Our thanks to Amadou Dia for joining us on the show. For Connell McCourt and Ali Trost, this is Nate Bucati saying so long and thanks for watching the Sporting KC Show presented by Michelob Ultra. We'll see you next week.